Hey friends, Amanda here. At She Reads Truth, our mission is women in the Word of God every day. And that means all of God's Word, not just the books or verses that feel a little more familiar to us. Now, between the Old and New Testaments, there are 66 books of the Bible, books that work together to tell an epic story of redemption. But understanding how they all fit together can feel like a tall order. So this summer, we're doing something new, a reading plan unlike any we've ever done before. We're going to walk through the Bible book by book to survey the theme of each book of the Bible and learn how each one fits into the bigger picture of Scripture. And we're starting it all on May 31st with our newest study book, This is the Old Testament. Friends, you know we love you, our podcast listeners, so we're giving you a discount code to snag your study book for 15% off and join us in God's Word this summer. Visit shopshereadstruth.com and use the code POD15 for 15% off. That's code POD15. Hello and welcome to the She Reads Truth podcast, where we open our Bibles and talk about the beauty, goodness, and truth we find there. I'm your host, Amanda Bible Williams. And I'm your other host, Rachel Myers. And y'all, today we are joined by Lisa Turkers. This is our third and final week of the Kingdom of God study, and it's been incredible, but I cannot wait to punctuate the study with this episode. Y'all, Lisa is a deep well, and you will be blessed when you listen to this episode. Lisa is, among many things, a New York Times bestselling author. Her most recent book, or one of her most recent books, is called Forgiving What You Can't Forget. And it's such a beautiful book. But we get the benefit in this episode of hearing her talk about forgiveness a little bit in the context of the kingdom of God. Y'all, this episode is just lovely. Let's just get right to it. Lisa, I'm so excited that you're here with us this week because it feels like we've had like the dream team for, we really have. for the Kingdom of God study, like for to have Matt Chandler for week one of this and to just kind of like give us this big picture. I mean, he really pastored us well, it felt like. Yeah, he did. And just kind of framing the discussion. And then week two, we had our friend Ellie Holcomb, our mutual friend, and she made sure to say, tell Lisa I said hi. It's true. It's true. <laughs> we know that we, she's um, pretty special. She really is. She's <laughs> magical. And then this week, yeah. so we started with Ellie talking about what it looks like, what life in the kingdom of God looks like. And so that's what we'll continue to talk about this week with you. But yeah, thanks for being with us. Thank you so much. It's such an honor. I am so grateful. We shared this passion for getting people into God's word, and I am so grateful that you guys are as passionate about this as I am. And what an honor. It's just an honor to be with you. Well, it's exciting to get to have this conversation together, to talk about this context of advancing the kingdom, entering the kingdom, like all of these things, like these are things that we are so passionate about, but not just the three of us, like our listeners are excited about the kingdom of God. So let's talk about it. I mean, jumping right in, day 15, if y'all are listening to this on the day it releases, it's Monday, and we're going to talk about, we're going to go through this week with Lisa. We're going to talk about the things that you're going to read as you are a woman in the Word of God every day this week. But beginning with day 15, the title is Entering the Kingdom. And this is, you know, the context here is that Jesus, with his own voice, Mm -hmm. God on earth, talks to us, talks first to his first audience and then us by extension about what it looks like, what it means to enter the kingdom. 
it's a both and, you know, this invitation, like I kept circling the word everyone, (laughs) like this invitation is for everyone, but there is a response that is required. Mm -hmm. Um, Lisa, how'd you feel about the readings in this day? We get kind of the end of the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 7. Mm -hmm. Well, I loved, honestly, how it's not just one section of scripture that you guys put here. I love that you're pulling from all of these different places because I feel like it helps bring some consistent threads that you're pulling throughout the Bible. And I felt like it was so good, so eye-opening. I loved going from Matthew and then into the Psalm and then back to mm-hmm. Matthew. And I think you were going to say more, so go ahead. But I just I had to jump in and say, oh, I loved it. It was so good. No, good, good, good. Well, let's talk a little bit about that in Matthew 7. So, you know, we've read a lot of excerpts from the Sermon on the Mount over the past week or so. And so here we're kind of, Jesus is sort of landing the plane of that sermon. We get this part at the end. Let's start maybe in verse 13. Lisa, would you mind reading that for us? Just yes. kind of Let 13 me through. Grab my glasses because I'm old, you know. I oh, like to listen. think about the first century version of landing the plane because, of course, landing Jesus was plane. not landing. Was he like parking the donkey? or <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, We say that a lot, don't we? Do. We, we yeah. do. Sorry, everybody. Okay. Whatever the first century equivalent of that is. Um, <laughs> All right. Starting in verse 13. Great. Enter through the narrow gate. For the gate is wide and the road broad that leads to destruction, and there are many who go through it. How narrow is the gate and difficult the road that leads to life, and few find it. And when I read just that part there, Mm -hmm. it reminds me of the word holiness, which I don't think is a super popular word right now. And I don't mean holiness in terms of you better do everything perfect or else. It's not that. It's this deep down pursuit or commitment to a pursuit of finding the rare path. And this just has holiness written all over it to me. And what I really mean by that is being ever sensitive and always tuned in to the Holy Spirit's gentle whisper Uh uh-huh or uh uh-uh. And I can feel it. I can feel when I'm straying a little bit from what is God's absolute best for me and from a pursuit of holiness. And there's grace all wrapped up in this, obviously. But I do want, I want this. I want to pursue not just salvation with Jesus. That's right. and, And not just communion with Jesus, but I want to pursue holiness with Him. But when you say the phrase, finding the rare path, like, I love how active that is. And like wanting that, desiring that, not just feeling bound to it, but wanting holiness mm-hmm. and, and relying on the Holy Spirit. Absolutely. And I, I phrase it that way because I try to remind myself every day that there is an invitation afresh every day by God to get up from our prayer time and remember that I just invited the divine presence of God Almighty to do life with me. And so I want to actively look for His presence, His faithfulness, His invitations. 
And so I pray this prayer every day. And this is part of my finding the rare path. It's my reminder every day to pursue this. And so this is the prayer I pray every morning. God, I want to see you. God, I want to hear you. God, I want to know you. God, I want to follow hard after you. And I acknowledge, God, that you see the bigger picture in everything. Mm. And so I am standing in this moment saying, God, you are good. You are good to me. And you are good at being God. Therefore, I don't have to carry the weight of Mm. this day. All I have to do, my job is to be obedient. Your job is everything else, God. So I trade my will for thy will because I'm so confident you will, God. Now today, will you please help me see someone I need to forgive, someone I need to bless, and evidence all around me of your faithfulness and goodness. And I say that prayer every single morning. And this concludes this episode of... This concludes this episode of the Shearer's Truth Podcast. That was Thanks for coming. I mean, there... <laughs> Let's go get ice cream. <laughs> yeah, that's great. Let's go. Dippin' Dots. Do you remember Dippin' Dots? Dippin' Dots. I don't know why I just thought about Dippin' Dots. It's like parking the donkey. But I did. <laughs> you know what's funny? They had a Dippin' Dots machine in an airport that I walked through this weekend. I haven't seen Dippin' Dots in forever, so it's funny you it's say that. It's the ice cream of the future. <laughs> it, 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 that's what they said. They said it was the ice cream of the future. But back to what Lisa just wow. said. I mean, but here's what you're doing. Lisa, that's so beautiful. Did you? Those are your words. You wrote that. That's Lisa's a writer. Oh, it turns out <laughs> just a few things. <laughs> um, but what you're doing is you are training your eye yeah. daily on the kingdom view of your life, of the world, of God, of mm-hmm. your own heart, of the kingdom. Of you're training your eyes to look at the kingdom mm-hmm. every day and not just because it's a, it's ev- a citizen prayer. Yeah. Yeah. That's beautiful. It is beautiful. I'm going to write that down in a little mm-hmm. while. Mm-hmm. Um, Lisa, would you share that with us that we can put in our show notes for folks to also pray? Uh, I think they would love that. And by folks, we mean me and Rachel. <laughs> the two of us. <laughs> yeah, so so good. <laughs> and here's the thing, because we're going to continue to talk about that this week, but the mystery, there are so many mysteries mm-hmm. <laughs> of the gospel, but one of the mysteries is that it is an invitation the gospel itself is an invitation into salvation, right? But also into a way of life. Like mm-hmm. it doesn't just end with, okay, you know, where are you going to go when you die? And that's the end of the story. Like the question is, how do I live? And what does this mean for right now? And so if we, and we're going to read so many passages, I mean, the one that you just read, enter through the narrow gate, if we fast forward to verse 21, in that same chapter, Matthew 7, I'm going to read a couple of verses. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father in heaven. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, didn't we prophesy in your name, drive out demons in your name, and do many miracles in your name? Then I will announce to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you lawbreakers. And I mean, that's a heartbreaking passage. But the invitation in that passage is the invitation is to know Jesus. Mm-hmm. It's right. it's not, you know, am I checking off my list of things that I'm going to do for God today? Mm-hmm. It's 
am I looking to him? Am I looking to the kingdom? And am I seeking to know Jesus and Mm -hmm. follow him? Yeah. We had this conversation over lunch today, Amanda and I, looking forward to recording with you, Lisa. And we were talking, kind of reflecting on the conversation we had with Ellie last week. In that episode, I had quoted Scott Saul as my pastor, and he, because he says often, when you hear it at first, it's a little bit bristly to hear, because he says that the kingdom of heaven, we'll say, or just being a believer, is the most inclusive thing in the whole world, and it is also the most exclusive thing in the whole world. And both of those things are somehow true when it comes to the kingdom of God, because anyone, it's not like, hey, once you're, once you've, you know, tidied your life up, you know, you may now come and repent and believe. It's nothing like that, right? It's just come everyone, the most inclusive Mm -hmm. thing. But also it is exclusive in that there is, like you said, Lisa, holiness. It's that repenting of what we want, of wanting to make ourselves the most important and believing that God has already done that for us and He is He's the way, the truth, and the life. That's right. Let me read a really quick. Am I allowed to stick in some more verses in here? Oh, That's our favorite thing. It's our favorite. (laughs) Perfect. So this is a scripture that provides so much context for what you were just saying. And I think sometimes when people hear it's inclusive, but it's also exclusive, it can start to feel like, is this a country club? You know, is this a cult? (laughs) You know, what is this? So I think providing some context to remember that Jesus has issued, his life issued, the invitation. When he came to earth, his life here on earth, he came for the purpose of to be an atonement for our sins, for salvation. But Hebrews chapter two makes it very clear that that's not the only reason he came. And there's a really important other reason that I feel like sometimes we miss and I don't want us to miss it. It says, starting in Hebrews 2, verse 17, for this reason, he had to be made like them, fully human in every way, in order that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in service to God, and that he might make atonement for the sins of the people. And so when I read that, I'm remembering that part of the reason Jesus came was so that he could lead us in the example of what it means to be fully human, to carry the weight of humanity. And he did it without sin, obviously, but he didn't just make an atonement for our sins. He also came so that he could be a merciful and faithful high priest. And when Mm. he took on the grit and grime and the grueling nature of humanity, he became a faithful and merciful high priest. He became the teacher that doesn't just teach us what we should do. He modeled what is possible even in the midst of being so very human. And when I go over to Mark chapter 14, right before Jesus went to the cross, and these are the words of Jesus that I relate to the very most. He said, that he had such deep sorrow. He was suffering under the weight of such deep sorrow. It was completely overwhelming to him to the point of death. So for me, knowing that Jesus understood walking through something where even Jesus asked God to change the plan, even Jesus said, this might kill me, literally, and even Jesus said, I'm suffering 
to mm-hmm. the point of being so overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. When Jesus says that, that helps me see that he is a merciful and faithful high priest. Because when I know somebody has hurt the way that I've hurt, I trust their teaching on a whole different level. Yeah. So yes, it is, it's his invitation that brings us an opportunity for salvation, but it is his humanity that helps it not be like a country club at all. <laughs> it is his humanity that brings us this revelation that Jesus isn't teaching us be holy or walk the rare path of holiness and humility and gentleness and patience and kindness. He's saying it because he himself did it and he knows that's the way to do humanity and point people to God and also to live a peace that far extends past what the world will ever offer us. Yeah, yeah, that's so good. In this same day, we Mm. read the parable of the wedding banquet in Matthew 22. And, you know, so Jesus tells the story where the kingdom of heaven is like a king who gave a wedding banquet for his son. So he has this lavish banquet and invited the people who were, you know, invited, which was probably, we're talking about exclusivity, right? Like this was an elite invitation list, Mm -hmm. we could guess. But they paid no attention and went away. Like the guests did not respond to the invitation. They didn't show up. And so here's here's what the king does in verse 8. Then he told his servants, the banquet is ready, but those who were invited were not worthy. Go then to where the roads exit the city and invite everyone you find to the banquet. So the servants went out to the roads. They gathered everyone they found, both evil and good. Mm -hmm. The wedding banquet was filled with guests. When the king came in to see the guests, he saw a man there who was not dressed for a wedding. So he said to them, friend, how did you get in here without wedding clothes? The man was speechless. And the king told the attendants, tie him up, hand and foot, throw him into the outer darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. For many are invited, but few are chosen. So it takes me some time to kind of weed through what's happening here. But the first thing that's happening is that this invitation is given out To the extent it's out on the margins, out to the masses and in the margins, when we say it's for everyone, Jesus makes a point time and time again in the Gospels to go where the religious people are not going. Mm -hmm. So what we know about this invitation from Jesus is it's not an invitation to religion as in that sense of just like following the rules, you know, action only or, or not action only. What's the word I'm looking for? Kind of like perception only, like the mm-hmm. appearance of yeah. religiosity or spiritualism. Mm-hmm. So he's going out, you know, the invited people have ignored the invitation. Mm-hmm. And so then the invitation then goes out to the masses and to the margins. But there has to be a response to the invitation. The guests have to show up and they have to show up in the proper attire. And so what this is, this attire is the righteousness of Jesus that you just described, that Jesus lived the life we couldn't, and not in some like, oh, just magical I'm Jesus way, but in like an authentically human way, fulfilled the law Mm -hmm. and obeyed the Father. And so Yes, we have to be clothed with the righteousness of Jesus, but that too is something that's offered Mm -hmm. to all of us 
to take. And so it's so layered and it can be really difficult for me personally to kind of reconcile all the pieces and to articulate it. But it always helps when I take like, okay, I take this illustration of the, and a line like many are invited, but few are chosen, Mm -hmm. where I just want to be like, question mark, question mark, question mark, Mm -hmm. you know, and then just look to Jesus and say like, okay, how did Jesus live? Mm -hmm. And know that those two things don't contradict each other. All right, gang. It's amazing how, you know, even this conversation about the kingdom and, mm-hmm. and the inclusive and exclusiveness of it, I think that my temptation is often to wish it was a little less inclusive, but also a little less exclusive. Like, I wish <laughs> that both sides of that would soften. I think that that's an area of growth for me as a believer, because don't you also feel that temptation? Like a little bit of Jonah, like, uh-huh. seriously? Yeah. You're going to forgive them too? Or And I want it to be less exclusive. Like, I want it both. I think we struggle with both. Yeah. And that is why we have Scripture, because it tells us everything. It invites us, and it shows us the way. It doesn't just say, hey, there's only one way, but that's it shows right. us the way. Let me read a couple of passages from John chapter 3, because I feel like this helps me wrestle with that tension that you're mm-hmm. mentioning, Rachel. Yeah. I think that yeah. this is a tension to manage. It's not a problem to solve, because we don't know the full mind of God. We don't know right. the you know the full understanding of all the layers. Like you were saying, Bible, you know, it's like all the layers of this are like so big. And so I want to read this because this helped me untangle a little bit of this snag so I could just kind of weave my way through it, not having all the answers. Yeah. This helped me. So how's that for setup? Okay. I'm excited. I can already tell this hour is going to go by too quickly. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) In John chapter three, of course, most of us are going to be familiar with verse 16. It's one of the big popular verses. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. That word whoever is really important. It's whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already because they have not believed in the name of God's one and only son. This is the verdict. Light has come into the world, but people loved darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. Everyone who does evil hates the light. This is the really important snag that I was able to like sort of untangle. Everyone who does evil hates the light and will not come into the light for fear that their deeds will be exposed. But whoever lives by the truth comes into the light so that it may be plainly seen that what they have done has been done in the sight of God. And so you were talking earlier about how the it's the righteousness of God that comes over to us. And it's this is the picture that I have in my brain that's really helped me. When we receive Jesus, we know that it is his blood that covers our sin. So we are not afraid to walk into the light. We're not. Yeah. Yeah, because our sin has been covered. But when you have not received Jesus and you don't have that blood covering, it's like you come to the light and are so horrified or mm-hmm. so unable to keep walking forward because there's no covering. So you see all mm. of the sin. And so you back up from the light. And that helps me because I 
often when somebody has, I hear them wrestling about a loved one who has passed away and they are wondering, like, did my loved one, were they included or excluded? Like, are they a Christian? Are they not a Christian? Were they saved? Were they not saved? I don't know if you've ever heard people wrestling through this about a loved one who passed away. Yeah. And I will often say, we don't know. We can look at the fruit of their life, but what I see here is Jesus is calling them until the very last second And in that last moment that they could receive Jesus and the blood of Jesus would cover them and then they could walk into the light. Mm -hmm. And we don't know what happened, but Jesus isn't casting them away. He's always inviting them in, but it was their choice to be covered by his blood or not. And that's what determines if they walk forward into the light or not. And so that helps me untangle this a little bit more. Yeah. I like that. I think that's, yeah, I love that. You're exactly right that a tangle is a good way to put it, in, at mm-hmm. least in our finite minds. Just like, how do I make sense of this for myself? How do I explain it to others? How, as a citizen of the kingdom, can I be invitational, right? If I don't quite, if I can't quite figure out the puzzle myself. Yeah, that's beautiful. Yeah, I really like, Lisa, how you phrase that it's not a problem to be solved, but a tension to be managed. There's so much in this book that we've been reading, in this Kingdom of God study, where that is true. Is it just, there are a lot of tensions. I mean, we we started the study by talking about the already and not yet Kingdom of God, mm-hmm. and that itself is a tension. Mm-hmm. And it keeps going. I mean, as we move through the week into day 16, anticipating the Kingdom, the topic here is, while we wait for Christ's return, the Spirit equips us to live faithfully in light of our redemption in Christ. So if that covering is our reality, and the kingdom of God, being a citizen of the kingdom, is our reality, then how how do we live in the tension of that's already true yeah. and also we are not yet made perfect. We're covered by the blood of Jesus, but we are not yet sanctified and glorified. You know, that is ongoing. Mm-hmm. And also, Jesus hasn't returned. As of the date of this recording, <laughs> Jesus has not returned. So, I so keep there's asking another tension. For him to come, by the way. Yeah. Just yeah. please. Come on. Please come. Today, Lord, would be come a great quickly. Day. Yeah. Yes. Come on. Yep. And what we see in this reading, there are a lot of parables in this study because a lot of the parables Jesus taught were about the kingdom of God. Yeah. The kingdom of God is like this. Mm-hmm. And so there's a the parable of the 10 virgins, these women who are waiting for the bridegroom to arrive. And you can go and read the parable for yourselves. We won't read all of the scripture from the week out loud. Tempting. <laughs> tempting. It is tempting. But the punchline of this story is be alert because you don't know the day or the hour mm-hmm. that Jesus is returning. And so in this parable, they're waiting. Mm-hmm. And, and so it's like, how do you wait? Well, some of them waited with oil in their lamps and some didn't prepare. And, you know, and so we can talk about what all of that means. But I think for me, the thing that this reading day reminded me of is there will be a wait. Like Mm -hmm. so much of our earthly life is characterized by waiting, either waiting for, you know, a dream to be fulfilled or for for something that we long for to be fulfilled, waiting for Jesus' return, (laughs) waiting to be made perfect, you know, like growing spiritual growth can feel very slow and tedious. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, I was this morning 
on a phone call this morning, and the lady we had a phone call with said, I'm not a morning person. And I thought, I'm not either. And I just keep waiting for it to happen. <laughs> I keep waiting. I just think that, oh, as you get older, yeah. one day, you just become a morning person. That's not true. So there's a lot of waiting, and we need to be intentional about how we live Mm-hmm. in the wait. Yeah, absolutely. And I think to provide some context, as I was studying, preparing for today, I found something that was so interesting. And actually, I have to give credit where credit is due. I have an amazing guy that works for me. His name is Joel Mutamale. I don't know if you guys know him, but he helps me do lots of theological research. So yesterday when yes, I was preparing, yeah. I sent no, him a bunch so of helpful. verses. And I said, send, Thank me, you, send me some things that I need to know. And this is one of the things that he sent me, and I just absolutely love it. He said, I think the kingdom and citizenship language had a massive impact on the audiences that right now, obviously Jesus, but eventually also Paul is Mm -hmm. addressing. The coveted and prized status of the Roman Empire was citizen. So to be a citizen gave you protection, rights, security. Ultimately, it gave you privilege and opportunity not available elsewhere. The longing of many in the Greco-Roman world was to obtain citizenship status. Roman citizens were even excluded from crucifixion. So for Mm -hmm. Jesus and Paul to proclaim the coming of a new kingdom that came with rights and status of a, quote, citizen— was a direct claim against Rome and her authority. Philippians 3.10 is a great example where Paul talks about citizenship, and I think it begs us to consider our role and view of citizenship and kingdom today. So if we go back to that one part, you know, to say that you are a citizen, it gave you protection, rights, security, and ultimately privilege and opportunity not available elsewhere. And I think we forget this. When I've never thought think, of it that way. Not in that like full context. That's yes. so helpful. Thank you, thank, Joel. Thank you, Joel. <laughs> yeah, and I think it's really important to understand that we're not just talking about us trying to unpack the kingdom of God and what that means. It's us taking on the real identity that we are citizens Therefore, a citizen has rights and they have responsibility, right? That's good. And so as I read this, they have protection and then they also have opportunity to participate or participation in this, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And so I think that this is a very important part of the whole discussion is that we say our real home is not here, that we're just passing through, but too many of us live as if this Mm -hmm. is the absolute destination, and it's not. We are passing through. We are on a journey. We are, and while we're on a journey to our destination, the not yet and already principle, already but not yet, we are already citizens of Mm -hmm. our real home, even though we aren't, living in eternity right now, but we can bring the evidence of the kingdom of God here. We should, we can, and we should be active citizens representing or representing the kingdom of God right where we're at. Man, yep. I can't overlook that detail where you said that one of the things about being a Roman citizen at that time was that you would be excluded from having to be crucified. Exactly. 
I mean, exactly. I just think like of the kingdom mm-hmm. parallel there of like that. I mean, and it doesn't feel like a mistake that crucifixion is the thing, but like that we also have this this exclusion from judgment, right? Yep. Wow. Yeah. Oh, that's so interesting. Hey friends, if you love She Reads Truth, you probably love how we pair God's Word with the aesthetic beauty it deserves. We enjoy being creative and finding the beauty, goodness, and truth in the world around us. That's one reason we're so excited about our partnership with our friends over at Skillshare. Skillshare helps you move your creative journey forward without putting life on hold. Their short classes are a perfect fit for a busy routine. There are so many great classes on Skillshare on topics like photography, productivity, video script writing, and so much more. Friends, this online learning community is offering our listeners a free trial of Skillshare's premium membership. With Skillshare, practice makes progress. Advancing toward a creative goal is achievable with short lessons, hands-on projects, and classes designed for real life. Do something today you didn't think you could do yesterday. Explore your creativity at Skillshare.com slash She Reads Truth, where our listeners get a free trial of their premium membership. That's two weeks free at Skillshare.com slash She Reads Truth. We spend a lot of time, we humans, me, Amanda, spend a lot of time. Do we spend our life making this life as comfortable as possible when it just Yes. It's just the precursor to the rest of our lives, right? And Mm -hmm. so that's why this day, there's so many readings in this reading day that are so challenging. One is in Colossians 3. All of Colossians 3. Yeah, all of of Colossians. My goodness. (laughs) But Colossians 3, 1. So if you've been raised with Christ, seek things above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. For you died, and your life is hidden with Christ and God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. But that set your mind on things above, not on earthly things. And it's true that even as believers, we can spend our time with our sight set low, like here, and just on what life is like here and making life comfortable here or doing things that seem to matter most here mm-hmm. instead of doing that thing that you are training your heart and eyes and mind on, Lisa, in the morning with that prayer of, nope, this isn't, what I can see is not the ultimate reality. It's, yeah. It is the kingdom reality is the ultimate reality. So one of my favorite messages that I do when I go and speak is the story of Joseph. And I think his story is such a beautiful example of what you were just talking about, how there is a physical reality we all face. Yeah. But at the same time, there is a spiritual reality that is also coexisting at the very same time. Yes. And in part of Genesis, when you're reading Joseph's story, there's this one little verse, and it says, meanwhile, Joseph was sold to the Midianite merchants. And so I have a whole message called, with God, there's always a meanwhile. Mm. And so, and this helps me so much when I think about set your mind on things above, okay? So 
What's happening here is Joseph's reality that's right in front of him, it was hard. It was devastating. He was rejected by his brothers. He was sold. He was taken to a foreign land just when he gets to a place where he's in Potiphar's house. And it seems like, okay, life isn't perfect. It doesn't look like he thought it would, but at least it's getting better. And then Joseph has a complicated reality about his life. He's hot. The scriptures actually say that pretty much, that he was well-built and handsome. So it basically does say that he was hot. So Potiphar's wife is attracted to him. And then, you know, she makes advances to him. And so then all of a sudden, she causes so much commotion in his life. Now he gets thrown into prison. And in prison, things are still hard and terrible. And yes, he has God's favor, but at night, he's still going to bed in a dungeon. Yeah. So those were the realities that Joseph saw. But at the same time, meanwhile, with God, there's always a meanwhile that God is also doing something else. So really what was happening is with God, Joseph's, the rejection of his brothers became a protection of his calling. The commotion of Potiphar's wife became a promotion to prison which doesn't, you don't, you wouldn't think of going to prison as a promotion, (laughs) but while he was in prison, and it was a long time, he learned how to do the very strategies that eventually, when he stood before Pharaoh, Pharaoh was so impressed that all that he learned in prison, all that God taught him, all that God infused into his strategic thinking and perspective. That is what impressed Pharaoh so much that Joseph became the second most powerful man in the world when it was God's time. And so I often think to myself, you know, the physical reality of what I'm looking at right now today is really hard. Like I am back in a season of hurt and heartbreak and confusion and sadness, and it'd be so easy for me to sit in that. But with God, there's Mm -hmm. always a meanwhile. So I Mm -hmm. don't deny the reality of what I see, but I set my mind on surely what God is doing, and I don't have to know what He's doing. I I can stand in the midst of today, and that's why that part of the prayer that I pray in the morning is so important when I say, God, you are good. God, you are good to me, and God, you are good at being God. I don't have to come up with all the suggestions. Like sometimes in life, I like to collect all of my suggestions and say, okay, God, just bless this. Don't mess with it. Like this really (laughs) is how it should work. So just bless this, right? Guilty. And (laughs) I'm starting to learn to make less suggestions in my prayers and just step into the day with God's goodness as the filter through which I look at my circumstances rather than looking at my circumstances and trying to figure out, is God going to be good to me in this? But instead, yeah. walking in, already having set my mind on things above, already having the assurance that my citizenship in the kingdom of heaven is secure, and that should inform my identity And so I am a traveler with a secure identity, with the lens on my eyes of God's goodness. So therefore, I will acknowledge the hardship of my circumstances, but my brain will say, that is what I'm facing. But with God, 
There's always a meanwhile. God is working. God is on the throne. God is the king of the kingdom, and God loves me. Oof. Amen. Yes. Lisa, thank you for that. I needed that. I know that so many people listening are going to replay that. That was a gift. Thank you for sharing all of that. Just beautiful. Yes. Thank you. And we get the reality of if the topic is, what does it look like to live life in the kingdom? Yeah. We get so much clarity from scripture. Sometimes it feels like too much, if I'm honest. (laughs) Clarity from scripture about what it should look like, like how we should walk through our lives. And even in this Colossians 3 passage, that passage that that we so often hear that we've put off the old self and we have put on the new self. You know, we've talked about that a little bit already, um, that we've been renewed in knowledge according to the image of our Creator. But then we get like lists like this here in Colossians 3.12. We're listening to this. Therefore, as God's chosen ones, holy and dearly loved, put on compassion kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience, bearing with one another and forgiving one another if anyone has a grievance against another. Just as the Lord has forgiven you, so you are also to forgive. Above all, put on love, the perfect bond of unity. And so that reality that you just talked about, Lisa, so many of us, so many of those listening I know have hurt in their lives, that's part of their current reality or their story is that they have been wronged and hurt. And you've really dug down deep in some of these these qualities that we can kind of glaze over in a list. But forgiveness in particular, you know, you've done recent work on what does that mean and how? And and so we could have hours and hours of podcasting to talk about to talk about that. But could you just give us a little bit of insight into how what you just said, this reality of the kingdom, how that ties to something as practical and specific as and personal for, and personal. Say mm-hmm. that again. Yeah. As forgiveness. Absolutely. Well, first let me set some context about how important these words are for us to put on, because I think we can miss this. Like when we put on, it's a a clothing reference, you know, to put Mm -hmm. on compassion and all of the things that you listed out from these verses. So back in ancient times, when a king would go to war, when the king would come back, he would either have on clothes of victory or he would put on his regular, like, work clothes, and that was a sign of defeat. And he, however, the king dressed, if the king was walking in victory in his royal robes, then his army would dress in their victory clothes as well. So when we are instructed here to put on compassion and all of these other qualities, those are our victory clothes. Mm. That's what this is. That's so good. Mm. Yes. And so when we put on what Colossians is saying here, when we put on all of these are our victory clothes. And so when we walk in compassion, when we walk in forgiveness, as we're about to talk about in just a second, we are walking. That is an external symbol of an internal victory that Christ Mm -hmm. has already won for us. So this isn't just like, oh, guys, be nice because it makes God look good right? It's not that. It's it's way better than that. It's so much better. better. 
And it's rich. And when we put on compassion, we are showing that our life is hidden with Christ in God, like with Christ, like we are with Christ. And so we put to death what belongs to our earthly nature, because what belongs to our earthly nature, those are defeat clothes. Those are like when we put on hate and judgment Mm. and slander and anger, when we put those on, those are signs of defeat. And we are not walking in defeat. We are walking in victory. So, you know, I think it's so important that we put away all of the following, anger, wrath, malice, slander, filthy language from your mouth, because those are signs of defeat and lies and all of this stuff. But when we put on as God's holy and dearly loved children, chosen ones, put on compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, patience, bearing with one another and forgiving one another, just as in Christ God forgave us. That is our victory march. And so we can be walking in really crappy circumstances today, but we are going to walk to the tune of a victory march when in the midst of whatever we're facing, we are putting this on. Now, let's go to forgiveness. (laughs) Oh my goodness. I feel like I need to get up and do some stretches. This is so good. (laughs) I'm putting on my victory apparel right now. That's right. But isn't that so good? Doesn't that just make you like... Oh, wait, I get to put on compassion. Our battle is not against flesh and blood. That's it, right. Like, because we I'm have already won the victory. victory. Like, walk like it. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Oh, I so love we are, that. Right. So with forgiveness, I studied forgiveness in the Bible over a thousand hours. And it wasn't so that I could have an impressive set of insights and knowledge on forgiveness. The reason, I'd love to tell you that that was the reason, but the reason I studied forgiveness for over a thousand hours from the Bible was because I had so much resistance to it. Mm-hmm. And that those thousand hours were wrestling through the unfairness and the, just the deep anguish. And so sometimes when you say forgiveness, people immediately conjure up the hardest and most horrific things, most heartbreaking things that they've ever been to. And it can really sound cold to just tell them, hey, now you were the one that was hurt. Now you have to give this unfair gift of forgiveness to the person who hurt you. Doesn't that sound like an appealing deal, you know? Mm. And so I really wrestled through this. And and I just want to say to anyone who's listening, I don't speak about forgiveness from the standpoint of a theological scholar who's wagging her finger saying, do this because you want to be holy. That, that's not where I'm coming from. I'm coming from a person who's wrestled with this, and I want to acknowledge your hurt. And so let's just start with hurt because I think that's the most important place to start. Yeah, Forgiveness is not saying that what this other person did was okay because it wasn't okay. Forgiveness is not saying that you have to minimize your pain and hurry up your healing. That's not what it is. Forgiveness is me deciding that I've suffered enough because of what other people have done to me. And I'm gonna put a stake in the ground today and I am going to say I can forgive so that I can live. And for me to forgive is for me to accept God's way of 
providing healing for the hurting human heart. Forgiveness, it's not based on my determination. Like I determined that this other person has suffered enough. It's me detaching my ability to heal from choices I have no say-so over. I have no say-so over the other person saying they're sorry, learning their lesson, never doing this again. I have no control over that at all. So I detach. Forgiveness is really severing the source of suffering. Mm. And I detach my ability to heal from choices I have no say-so over. And I decide forgiveness isn't based on my determination. Forgiveness is based on my cooperation with what God has already done through Jesus. And as God's forgiveness flows to me, I simply must let it flow through me to other people. And it's in that that beautiful rush of forgiveness to me and through me that cleans out my heart of this bitterness and rage and anger. And it is a beautiful process. I can say that now. It doesn't automatically fix things. Forgiveness doesn't mean you let go of all of your boundaries. Forgiveness doesn't always hold hands with reconciliation. Forgiveness doesn't mean that you allow someone to abuse you and hurt you over and over and over and somehow think that that's going to make you more holy. Abuse is never holy. Mm. And when Jesus said to forgive 70 times seven, it wasn't Jesus saying, like, let this person brutalize you over and over and over. I believe that Jesus is saying, create enough distance in that relationship to where if this person continues to to do what they are doing over and over and over, that you have enough boundaries and enough emotional distance that you can forgive them 70 times seven without being destroyed in the process. Mm. And so forgiveness, the last thing I'll say about it is it is one of the most beautiful evidences of being a citizen. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. of the kingdom of heaven. Because when this world that is so opinionated and so bent on fist slamming fist and opinions just clashing and everybody being more interested in proving a point than improving our relationships and people just being mean, just really, really yeah. mean without ever sitting with other people, if you're not close enough to see the whites of their eyes turn red and leak with tears, you don't need to insert your opinion into that situation. Hmm. But when this world so full of all of that sees a citizen of the kingdom of heaven rise up and dare to forgive, it's a moment that stops the entire world And it's a moment no one forgets. And it is beautiful and it is victorious. Yeah. Thank you so much for sharing that. It feels like, you know, as you prefaced that, you know, with the beginning of verse 12, that these things that we put on, this compassion, this kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience, those are lumped as one and then is followed by bearing with one another and forgiving one another. Like that's... It's almost like a deeper, harder, but yet it is a thing to put on. It is a sign of victory. And I love when you're saying, like, what if the world saw citizens of heaven putting on 
forgiveness, bearing with one another in love because of their victory, wouldn't they too want to become citizens of heaven? Yeah. We stopped short that's of a, verse. That's, that's a hard, I keep interrupting you as you said. Okay. Thank you. That is such a hard one thing to share. Like that does not come from a, like I've studied this verse for a couple of hours and so thank you. You're yeah. welcome. That verse 15 that we stopped short of earlier, and let the peace of Christ to mm-hmm. which you are also called in one body rule your hearts, is yeah. what it says, and be thankful. Mm. I just hear this undercurrent of letting peace rule your heart. And for that, yeah. for that to happen, these other things have to also be true. Like you can't, yeah. you can't allow, you know, hold on to the suffering the source of the suffering. Um, yeah, with forgiveness yeah. helps us yeah. to sever that source of suffering. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. But that this is pursue. We know we're called several times in Scripture to pursue peace. And I love how it's ruled right here that for peace to rule our hearts. And that doesn't, you know, that's not like birds singing and everything is fine and happy-go-lucky. It's a lot of times it's grit, you know, of like, no, I'm going to... I'm going to let the reality of the peace of Christ rule mm-hmm. um, here instead of, you know, that anger or entitlement or whatever, and to sever that their power over the peace in your heart. Mm-hmm. Like, you yeah. get to make that decision. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And yeah. Jesus said, I am giving you peace, but it's not peace like what the world gives. Yeah. And right. so when I come across passages like this, I lean in and I pay attention because remember we were talking about at the very beginning of today, it's that pursuit of that rare path, right? Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. It's really, it's finding that. Well, when we find verses in the Bible where the peace of God will be with you or Jesus says, and my peace that I leave with you or here where it says the peace of Christ is going to rule our hearts, that is Jesus saying, aha, this is it. Not peace as the world gives, but peace that I give, this is how you get it right here. Yep, yep. And there's a lot of, in this week as we study, we're going to see a lot of Jesus kind of prying our fingers loose <laughs> on the things that we hold tightly. And there, I feel like that's part of that conversation. But there's also, you know, in this, I believe it's in day 17, where we get the reading about not loving the things of the world. There in First John 2, do not love the world or the things of the world, because the world is passing away. And that's so right. we want to make a practice of opening our hands and grabbing hold of every day. It's one of the reasons that all three of us are so passionate about reading Scripture, mm-hmm. because, and that's why we, the three of us are on the same team, <laughs> you know, like, yeah. and that is not... You know, the rules of the world don't apply here Mm -hmm. because we are citizens of the kingdom. And so in the rules of the world, for example, she reads truth in Proverbs 31 could be looked at as like competitors in the same space of women's ministry, whatever. No, no, no. We are co-laborers and we are partners in the gospel and in the kingdom. And so we are on the same team. Mm -hmm. And so this... um, And praise God for that. Praise the Lord. It's a we heavy need, weight. We need co-laborers. It, it's it's kind of like if you're trying to lift a thousand pound weight and you're doing it by yourself. Yeah, people might be impressed if you lift that thousand weight by yourself, but you ain't ever going to lift it. 
And so you want other people who are willing to come over and help you lift that weight. And Mm -hmm. only when we work together do we lift the weight and we do it together. That's right. The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. We want all the more workers, the merrier, right? Yes. Please, Lord Jesus. Yes. yes. Yeah. Yes. So I I know we don't have time to cover everything. I told you guys this hour was going to go way too fast. But we just encourage you to open your study books, go to the app, open your Bibles every day this week and read about Mm -hmm. the allegiance to the king. Read about advancing the kingdom, anticipating the kingdom, because this already and not yet it matters, and it's not just abstract. And it's not, yes, it's not yet, but it is coming. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it is. And, and remember just, your protection because yeah. you're a citizen of heaven. And also Good. remember your responsibility and yes. your participation matters. And so we have protection, we have rights, we have privileges, we have you know opportunity, but we also have responsibility and obedience that is required because that is always part of making the right kind of package for a citizen is the person who enjoys the opportunity but also walks in obedience to the way that the kingdom is established. Yes, yes. I'm going to visit one tiny piece of scripture, a little thing called the Great Commission, before you uh, land our plane, Rachel. But I just, I was struck as I read the Great Commission this week of the wording and the progression of the wording. So this is Matthew 28 and verse 18. Jesus came near and said to them, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. So he came near to them. He said, I have all the authority. Go therefore yeah. and make disciples and baptize and teach. And so now I'm paraphrasing. But mm-hmm. you, mm-hmm. it's he came near to us. He has all the authority. And you're going to read this week, there's scripture that talks about how he equips us to do the different things mm-hmm. that he calls each of us to do. And so there's this divine partnership. I think it was Chris Kane back when we were reading the book of Joshua was talking about that mystery of this partnership that we have with God mm-hmm. where he has secured the victory, but we still have to we have to move our feet. We have to walk in it, right? Mm-hmm. Just as you've described, we got to put on our victory clothes and walk in it. Mm-hmm. But we don't this is not a pull yourself up by your bootstrap story. That's not the gospel. The gospel is like we've been invited into this redemption story and the victory is already secure. That's right. And I have a feeling, Rachel, that you're about to read for us like some praise hands words. Well, listen, I I mean, you said (laughs) at the beginning of this episode, the gospel is an invitation. And, you know, as I look at the final reading day for this week, day 19, it's called the fullness of the kingdom. Matt Chandler referred to it as the consummation of the kingdom when Christ Mm -hmm. returns, that second advent. And we talked at the beginning of this episode also, Lisa, about that Christ's kingdom is the most inclusive thing in the world and also exclusive. But when we think about the invitation, the inclusiveness, that's where I want to land today. And Mm -hmm. the fullness of the kingdom for the three of us here, for every person listening and every person who will listen to every person listening, that the invitation is there and there is no tidying up. There's no forgiving first and then coming to Christ, there's come to Christ. And then you get to put on your victory clothes and you get to walk in that. So I just want to read from Revelation, from Revelation chapter 22, because this is the consummation of the kingdom. Mm -hmm. This is the fullness. Chapter 22, verse 17, and then again, verse 20. 
This is what scripture tells us. So hear this, friends. Both the spirit and the bride say, come. Let everyone who hears say, come. Let the one who is thirsty come. Let the one who desires take the water of life freely. He who testifies about these things says, yes, I am coming soon. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. Amen. That is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Oh, I just knocked myself in the head yeah, with my did. praise hand. Sure. Yeah. And you know why not? <laughs> Lisa, I want you to come back for every episode. That was so good. You, um, <laughs> my goodness, it's, I love just sitting down with men and women who have drawn freshly from the well. And that's just so apparent in your life. And in the, you've just shared so generously with us in this hour. Now, I do have a question for you. It's our tradition on the She Reads Truth podcast. After an hour of opening scripture and talking about the beauty, goodness, and truth that we find there, we get to ask our guest, where in your life are you seeing beauty, goodness, or truth that points you straight to Jesus? I'm so glad you've asked me this. When I look at the life of Jesus, I see Him ministering to the crowds, and I see Him being compassionate and tending to the individual. But I also see Jesus sitting at tables, breaking bread and sharing broken hearts with other people. Mm. And that middle part is what I felt like was missing in my life. I was speaking to the crowds and tending to the individuals, but I wasn't sitting at tables, breaking bread with broken hearts. And so Mm. I built a place on my property so that I can invite people over and do ministry at tables up close and personal like I see in the life of Jesus. And so I'm really, really excited about that opportunity just to invite people over to my home and just have heart-to-heart conversations, opening up the scripture and opening up to one another. And I think it's going to be really beautiful and full of truth. What a beautiful thing to build. I love mm-hmm. that, that, you know, building a physical building is a part of getting to build the kingdom, getting to participate in that. I mean, we'll be there. You just let us Let's know when. Time. And we y'all, will, uh, y'all I have, have no food allergies. Invitation. <laughs> perfect. Perfect. That's awesome. And at our place, the bread doesn't count as a carbohydrate. It's a spiritual exercise. So, hey, listen, there's that too. Listen, all the more, all the more reason to come. <laughs> I ate a lot of bread. There was a point yesterday where I thought, I should stop eating bread now. It was David made some bread. It was so good. I just, it was great. Well, friends, this concludes our Kingdom of God series. This has been Mm. just, we have loved it. Rachel and I have loved it. So we hope that you have to. Next week, we're going to start our two-week series in Colossians and Philemon. And then it will finally be time to start our summer study. Um, We are going to begin with This is the Old Testament. And spoiler alert, we'll go right into This is the New Testament after that. That's right. But go grab your book. And don't forget from the ad earlier, use that coupon code POD15 to get a discount on that. But more importantly... Lisa, until we come back next time, what do we say? Keep opening your Bibles.